right? Oh my goodness, worship team, wow. I don't even know what to say anymore, just wow, right? Hey, I, I don't feel bad for, for doing that. They lead us every week into encounter after encounter and wave on wave, wave upon wave. How many felt that today? The wave upon wave upon wave. You know how, how awesome you guys are as a church that we all lead worship from where we're at and it just creates this like synergy? Absolutely. And, and I know, I remember um, years ago just the progression of this church becoming a worship worshiping place of, of passionate, expressive, going after God, um, depth in worship. And I just, I'm amazed how far everybody here has, has grown in your ability to connect to him and stay connected. And not only that, but to be able to express it to him. <clears throat> Sometimes I feel things about God, I don't even know how to express it. And so that's kind of the growth of, of being a believer and a, a follower of Christ is God, I feel these things, but I want to know how to express them to you. I want to be able to tell you or do something. I want to give you an expression of what I'm feeling in my heart. And so I love looking around the room and seeing everyone figure out, hey, I know how to express my love to him in this way. And you do it and you go for it. So good job, everybody. You can pat yourself on the back. That's good. It's all right. We're not going to get a big head over here, right? We're awesome and it's okay. We know we have our limits, but we are awesome, right? (laughs) amen well lord we just thank you for what you're doing we ask that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation why that we may know you better god in jesus name amen all right i think i'm going to do it this way i want to read something that i wrote um some of you don't know that i i write i used to write all the time and um i've felt for years like i'm supposed to write something other than discipleship programs or lessons or whatever it is. <clears throat> and a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> sorry, too much yelling or whatever, um, we went to a special service, and in that service, um, the worship leader, his name is Mark, he's like, is Jared Patterson here? I'm like, oh gosh, I just want to come here and hide. I don't want anyone to know I'm here. And he's like, you're here? So I stood up, and he's like, stand up. He's like, uh, the Lord told me that you're supposed to write. And he starts prophesying things over me. And I'm like, okay. So the Lord's like, well, you need to create a space where you feel like writing. Because I go in my office and I just want to work. I don't want to write. And when any creative people know that when you go to a place that's not made for creativity, you don't create. So, so I started organizing and removing, moving some things around in my office and doing some things that just made it feel more relaxed. And all of a sudden I started feeling like writing again because I hadn't felt like writing. So I wrote a couple of things, some things that I'm working on, but I wanted to read um, something the Lord has really been talking to me about, just to launch us into what we'll talk about today. And today will be an abbreviated version. We'll pick up where we left off next week. Um, But these are my thoughts on legacy. And the Lord's really trying to take us from thinking about about just today and getting back to today and trying to get us to think about tomorrow and and even generations of people that we'll never see. So I'm just going to read to you what I wrote. This was just something for my family, but I want to read it because it, it, it tells how I feel right now. I absolutely love my wife and my two sons. I live for them. They live for me. We are intentional in giving our best to one another. We do life together. We laugh. We argue. We pray. We work. We clean up messes. 
and we wrestle. Yes, we wrestle on the floor. <laughs> I'm actually very blessed with the ability to be with my favorite people daily. My family is a wonderful gift from God that satisfies my heart like nothing else. But my family is so much larger than my four. Our lives are so much more grand than today. So I'm choosing this day to give myself wholeheartedly to a generation of Pattersons that I may never have the honor of knowing. <clears throat> Living in the greatest country ever known to man, <laughs> it has afforded us with countless alluring benefits. Therefore, we consume. Think about that for a minute. What are we called when we buy things We're called consumers? Therefore, we consume. We run around like fools, consuming time, money, fun, energy, and anything else we can sink our teeth into. We fill our schedules with events worthy of Instagram and Facebook recognition. We toil, we strive, yet the vessel of legacy is left empty. We attempt to keep up with the Joneses, all the while procrastinating the things that really matter to us. And in our pursuit of fulfillment, we have unknowingly consumed ourselves. Our value system is in much need of repair. We have replaced need with want, eternal with temporal. We have sought the distant nod of approval from others while overlooking posterity. And if you don't know what the, the word posterity, it's in our preamble. It's, it means the generations to follow. It means our legacy. So what I'm saying here is like we, we want the nod and approval of people that don't even know us. That we drive down, we want them to see our nice car and think we're successful. Yet the people we're right there living life with, we don't care if whether they see us successful or not. <clears throat> there is no fault in spending time with family. How many believe that? But there is a better way. A path traveled only by the wise. Do not merely spend time. Invest time. See, once something is spent, it is no more. But an investment, even one of such a seemingly fleeting commodity, is perpetual. I don't want to be a consumer. I want to be an investor. One who invests in both today and tomorrow. The seed of my life is not to be consumed. It is to be planted so that future generations may too have something to eat. I am, after all, partaking of fruit that I didn't plant. I am living in blessing that I did not pay for. I am benefiting from the sacrifice of men and women that I have never had the honor of knowing. My feet muddy their shoulders. I will not selfishly cease expanding their territory. I will, will not reduce the world in which I live to a place that is too small for those who are to follow. I will invest. I will not be hypnotized by the, I will be hypnotized by their dreams rather than seduced by the lullaby of comfort. I hear Holy Spirit urging us to enlarge our definition of family. He's enticing us to gain a more grandiose perspective. Acts 16:31 tells us, "Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household." 
The way I define my household will dictate the soil of my influence. The larger the boundaries of my household, the larger the seedbed of my influence. I have many times haphazardly sown good seed in a field that I had not yet determined to be responsible for. In most of those occasions, the seed was wasted and was of no good to anyone. On the contrary, when I have sown seed within the boundaries of my household, it has never been inconsequential. It's the law of favor in partnership with what I now call the law of the household. It is human nature to wonder, will increasing the boundaries of my household cost me my nuclear family? We count the cost. If I expand the people I say I want to be responsible for, will, will I not have enough to give those that are closest to me? The answer is a resounding no. There are countless promises in Scripture that reveal this principle. So here's two of them. Proverbs 22.6 says, If you train up a child in the way that they go, when they grow older, they will not depart from it. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will be richly blessed, and those who refresh others will himself be refreshed. So I can't expand my territory too large to not be refreshed myself and to not see my own family continue this legacy. It's impossible. The reservoir of our love is endless. As He has loved us, we love. The seed does not run out. There is always more that we can sow, more that we can give. Yes, many times I have been afraid to give because I believe that if I did, there would be nothing left for me. In the poverty of my thoughts, I lacked faith. And I needed to be reminded that anything given in His name is as if it were given unto Him. Any investment into another is an investment into God. And there is one thing that I'm becoming more and more convinced of. He is the rewarder. He is so wealthy and knows no lack. Even Satan knew that stones in his hand could become bread if he desired. Nothing's impossible for him. So one day, we, when we stand before him, <clears throat> we will have the opportunity to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, which could also be translated steward. Well done, good and faithful steward. And in that moment, only what we have done for Christ will remain. Only what we've done in His name will even be remembered. And the things that remain on that day, those are the building blocks of legacy. The question that lingers is, do I want my life to create a memorial or a legacy? A memorial is a stagnant structure that we gather around to remember how we spent our time. It is our ticket stub to a ball game. It's a participation trophy in the baseball league for the city. But a legacy is living. It's a breathing inheritance. It is a fragrant offering poured upon the Savior's feet that will not be taken from us. And when everything is burned up or spent in the fire, those matters of eternal significance will remain. That's what I want to build. That's it. I don't know how else to say it. That's how I feel.
So, how do we do that? <laughs> We're at the speakeasy. <laughs> how, how do we do that? I mean, I come from a family that has thought somewhat like this. Generation after generation of ministers in my family. And you don't, that doesn't happen by accident. It just doesn't. You don't just wake up and continue to produce people who want to sow their lives into ministry. My parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my great-great-grandparents did things specifically with me in mind. People I've never even seen. I see their pictures and I look like them. And I have their heart. It was on purpose. See, spending is, has no purpose attached to it. But investment always have a, has a purpose. You could do the same act. One could be spending, one could be investing. It all depends on what your intention is. I could spend money on a new car, and I spend money on a new car. But if I invest in a new car, it's completely different. God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He just is. Why don't you say it? He's the rewarder. So I, I, um, maybe three weeks ago or two weeks ago, whenever we started this, this thing, the Lord told me to start reading the Bible again from the perspective of Him being the rewarder. He told me to go back all the way to the beginning and just read all through Scripture and just shift how I saw things and w- what did I understand. And I didn't realize how much of my belief system about God was based upon Him being a judge and a, and a punisher. I just didn't realize it. You can't look at the Old Testament... And not question, is God the punisher or is he the rewarder? But it all depends on, on my perspective. It all depends on the lens that I see things with. So the Lord's like really, cha- so I challenge you to do the same thing. Read the Bible and ask God, how are you the rewarder in this story? Show me how you're the rewarder. So I'm going to go all the way back to the very beginning. Did you know that free will was God being the rewarder? From the get-go, when he, before he formed us, he decided, I'm going to give them free will. I'm going to reward the people that I'm going to create with, with my, my own hands and my own breath. I'm going to reward them with the ability to make decisions on their own. And then free will would be worthless if I couldn't exercise my free will and have fruit come from it. So he made me fruitful where I can produce and reproduce. So he goes, you know what, humanity, you have free will. I'm rewarding you with the power of the gods to make decisions. And not only that, I'm going to partner that ability to choose with the ability to make what you choose produce fruit. It's a reward. So the law of sowing and reaping is really a reward system. We talk about it all. How many have talked about sowing and reaping before in the context of, well, you you reap what you sow in the punishment mentality? Did you know it is never punishment to reap what I sow? Even if I reap fruit that I don't want, it's not punishment. It's God saying, I gave you free will, and I gave you the grace to cause things to grow, good or bad, and look what's growing in your life because of your free will and your ability to produce and reproduce. He may not like the fruit, it may not be good fruit, but it's the reward that He gave us as being called humanity. The law of sowing and reaping is not a law of discipline. It's not a law of punishment. It's a law of reward. Yeah. You guys still with me? Yeah. 
In Luke chapter 6, you can write this down. You can look there real quick if you want. Again, I'm going to try to go through pretty quickly some of this. But in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. Luke 6, 43 through 45. It says, There is no good tree that produces bad fruit. And there, on the other hand, there's no bad tree that can produce good fruit. Each tree is known by its fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorn bushes, and they don't pick grapes from briar bushes. The good man, listen to this, the good man, out of the good treasure stored up in his heart, brings forth what is good. That word bring forth, brings forth means produces, reproduces what's in his heart. So the good man stores up good things in his heart, and because of this gift of law, the law of sowing and reaping, the reward system of sowing and reaping, I reap good because I've stored up good in my heart. You guys with me? <clears throat> On the other hand, the evil man stores up evil in his heart and produces evil from the things in his heart. And then he goes on and he says this very unique thing. He says, for his mouth speaks from whatever fills his heart. Whatever he speaks is what causes the, the reproduction process to take place. The things stored up cause my mouth to speak, creating the system of the reward system of sowing and reaping. What do I reap in my life? Whatever I've put it in my heart. How does that happen? I speak about the things that are in my heart. You guys still okay? And this is such a big topic. I wish I had more time and we'll, we'll break it up. <clears throat> Matthew 7 says that you will know them by their fruit. Everybody still with me? Law of sowing and reaping. It's a reward system. Last week we talked about um, how God gave us the rights to be sons and daughters. That our reward for, for, for responding to Him was, you're sons and daughters now. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will make you sons and daughters. <clears throat> and then we, we hit on re really quickly in Galatians chapter 4, where he says that as long as, as the heir is a child, he doesn't have the fullness of the inheritance. But when, the, but when he comes to the right age of maturity, then the guardianship goes away and all the rights and all the access to everything that God has and all the things that the Father has set aside is now transferable to our account because we've reached the age of maturity. Everybody still with me? Everyone say this with me. I have access to the full rights of sons and daughters. Of God. I don't know if that sentence even made sense. But you know what I mean. We have access to have the full rights as being sons and daughters. It's there available to us. But here's the thing that I want to hit on today. And this is the, 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 the other side of this. It is impossible to have rights without responsibilities. I, you know, I have this political bent. We could talk about our country as a whole. We're really big on what, what our rights are. But we don't want to talk about what we're responsible for. We want our rights. I can do anything I want, but I don't want the responsibility that comes with that freedom. So now that you and I know that God gave us this wonderful gift of free will, He gave us the ability to produce, to reproduce. He gave us an atmosphere of grace that causes things to grow, good or bad. He gave us the rights to be sons and daughters, gave us access to that. Now you and I have a responsibility 
to manage ourselves as sons and daughters. It's, it's, it's just the fact. If I'm a son or I'm a daughter, then I have a responsibility to, to manage my life, to steward my life in ways that reflect the Father Himself, that reflect the family legacy. You guys still okay? He tells us in Luke 12 that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you His kingdom. I love that. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you His kingdom. In there, He says, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't chase after these things. He goes, pagans pursue and chase after all these things. He goes, look at the lilies of the field. Look how beautiful those flowers are. Look at the colors. Look at the textures. He goes, even Solomon, the richest, wisest man of all time, wasn't even dressed as beautiful as one of these flowers. And he says, don't seek those things. But if you'll seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then he'll give you everything else that you need. Pursue those things. Amen? And then he says, where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart will be. He told us to ask for things. Matthew 7, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Keep searching. Pursue the kingdom. Expand your territory. Look for boundaries of the kingdom. There are none, but keep looking for them. (laughs) Just go out and explore. We prayed this a few months ago, that God would give us a Lewis and Clark type of adventurous mentality in the spirit realm. That we would go over mountains that haven't been gone over before. That we'll go through valleys and canyons that have never been discovered. That we would just go after it. Where are there boundaries to the kingdom? He wants us to do that. That's what children do. Amen? If you'll flip over to Luke chapter 16. I have to read this because this is where we're going to land today and see what happens, right? Luke chapter 16, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13. So Luke 16, starting with verse 10. He who has been faithful in a very little thing will also be faithful in big things. Wow. Whoever is faithful in a, an insignificant thing will also be faithful in significant things. But whoever is unrighteous in insignificant things will be unrighteous in significant things. Everyone remember, know this was in the Bible, right? Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? True riches. True riches. And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? And then he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will love one and despise the other, or he'll cleave to the one and, and he'll hate the other. He says, you cannot serve God and wealth. I believe with all my heart, he's not only talking about money in the scripture. I believe he's talking about true riches. What are the true riches? To me in the kingdom, the true riches are are the ability to plant the seeds of the kingdom and produce fruit after the seeds of the kingdom. Listen to me, all right? 
Jesus talked about money more than he talked about hell. Just a fact. And the reason that he did that was because the way that we steward our finances, the way that we steward our households, is a direct representation of the way we'll steward his kingdom. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there. If I manage my finances, if I manage my, my money, my properties, if I manage it from a heart of poverty, then why would I manage his kingdom with a heart of prosperity? Where my treasure is, my heart will be. I can't serve two masters. The good man stores good things in his heart, and from the good things in his heart produces good fruit. But the evil man stores evil things in his heart. So what he's saying here, and listen, this is, this is the heavy part of all of this. He's the rewarder. Right? He will not release to us things that we cannot steward because he does not want to crush us. It's just a, it's a fact. God, that's why it says he will never allow more to be put upon us than we can, can carry. It doesn't say he will... Let me just fix this again because I hear it misquoted. He will not put, it doesn't say he will not put on us more than we can bear. It says he will not allow more to be put on us because God does not use evil and put it on people. He will not allow more pressure to come upon us than we can handle because he's the rewarder. Now I've had this, this, this thought and this thing that I had to learn the hard way um, there are some times that we're not supposed to tell and give away revelation or things that God's told us because if we tell that other person, we've now made them responsible for it and they may not be ready for it. And what we're doing is we're setting them up to fail. Not because God wants them to fail, but because the systems built in them now can't support what we're telling them. So we have to just zip our mouth sometimes. It's like, Jesus, I want to tell you guys everything. Y'all have my heart so much, I want to tell you everything about my kingdom. I want to tell you everything about my father. But I can't just yet, because it's too much for you to handle. So he shut his mouth because he did not want to make them responsible for information, for revelation that they didn't have a, 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 the right foundation and structure to sustain it. So the Lord will not give us or release to us things that we will not steward. How many want to see the, we sing it, the kingdom. We want to see his kingdom come. I want to see his kingdom come to Arlington. But there is a direct, a direct correlation between what we're seeing of the kingdom released and how we steward ourselves in our daily lives. If I, if I don't manage the little he's given me, if I'm a bad manager of the little, I'll be a really bad manager of a lot. It will just magnify my issues. You guys all right? And it's heavy. So he's saying, steward what you have. Steward what you have. Do it well. Don't say it's not enough. It is enough. It's always enough. That's the first thing when we went to the financial counselor. She said, don't you dare say that you don't make enough money. It's like, well, we don't make enough money. Look. No, you don't have an income problem. You have a spending problem. You are a consumer. You are not an investor. It's just true. And until we work these things out, he says, why would I entrust to you true riches if you're not faithful in ungodly wealth? He's big on stewardship. It's a big deal. 
I'm going to say that's a big deal. So when I pay a bill, I'm sowing seed. I'm not paying a bill. When I give money to the person on the side of the road or at the grocery store, I'm not spending or giving money away. I'm sowing seed. I'm releasing the seed of the kingdom. If someone is upset and I bring peace to them and I release peace over them, I'm not just doing that. I'm planting a seed of peace that will produce after itself. If I sow peace, I will reap peace. It's the reward system. If I sow financial stewardship, then I will reap from that the ability to steward more. Yes, okay, I'm just, again, I, I tried to highlight and hit some things really quick. <clears throat> but this whole thing of, of the law of sowing and reaping comes all the way back from Genesis, and, and you can read this later, but I, w- I want to read it to you from here. But it says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are more cursed than all of the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you will go. It's fun reading this. <laughs> if you're ever upset, you feel like the devil's just kind of giving you a hard time, just go and find these scriptures and read them out loud. Right. Just kind of remind him. And the dust you'll eat all of your days. Yeah. <laughs> and I grew up, and I'm going to close with this, I grew up believing that this was a curse that God spoke over us for sinning. Adam and Eve messed up, so God released a curse over mankind to keep us in our lanes because we got outside of our lanes. But listen to what he says to to Eve and to Adam. I will put enmity, he's speaking to the serpent, so I'll put enmity, enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Not just talking about Jesus. It's talking about the seed of the kingdom that we, that we sow. If you'll read through Scripture, the, the, Jesus taught parables over and over and over again where he compared the kingdom to a mustard seed or he compared it to a man who would sow seed into the field. The kingdom is like leaven. He says, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. So whenever I sow financial stewardship... I'm punishing the enemy. It's an act of warfare against the enemy. When I manage my finances well, it is is an attack on the enemy, who's the enemy of poverty. When I sow joy, it's an act of warfare against the opposite of joy. Everywhere that I go. Because there's enmity between whatever seed I sow and his seed. Yes, There's enmity between whatever I'm sowing as a son and daughter with full rights and access to his kingdom. I have the seeds of the kingdom inside of me. And whenever I sow that, I'm sowing things that are at war with the opposite on earth. That's why he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loosen on earth will have already been loosened in heaven. We are in this warfare where we have been giving We have been given the keys and the seed of the kingdom, and he told us to sow the seed everywhere that we go. It's it's building this legacy thing. I may not see the, the, the produce immediately from that seed that I've sown, but I don't have to see it in this lifetime. I'm living longer than my 80 years or whatever the Lord gives me. And there's a legacy being built. You guys okay? He says, he will, he will bruise your head, 
and you will bruise his heel. He says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. I'm gonna, and he will rule over you. And he will rule over you. Wait, what? Sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm totally kidding. It's a joke. Totally a joke. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> There's always a little truth in every joke. No. <laughs> really totally kidding. <laughs> so then he says to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> and have eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to. The ground is cursed. But when you toil the ground, when you work the ground, you will, re- you will reap fruit from it. There will be thorns and there will be thistles and all these things. But you will eat from the plants of the field. By, your, by the sweat of your face you will eat bread. Until you return to the ground. Alright? He's telling us this wasn't a curse. This was a blessing. This was him saying, you know what? I'm going to give you one of these days there's going to come someone from your legacy. From your seed. And he's going to be the Son of God. He's going to be pure. He's going to be holy. He's going to be crucified on the cross. Yeah, he's going to get his foot bruised, but he's going to crush the head of the serpent once and for all. He's going to defeat him. Then he's going to give you access to have full rights as sons and daughters. He's going to invite you into the family. Then he's going to give you the keys to the kingdom. He's going to give you seed to sow. And even though the the ground that you may work is cursed, when you sow seed in it, you will reap produce from it. Even though it looks like there's thorns and thistles and all kinds of... T- like this is the worst place to, to sow seed. You will sow seed there and you'll, you'll eat from the, the, the produce of your seed. Good. It's a blessing. I, I said all this because it's time for you and I to begin to think with a different mindset. We are not consumers. We are not spenders. We are investors. We are those that sow seed everywhere that we go. <clears throat> It's time for us to be intentional with the way that we live our lives. It's, it's time for us to, to forget um, being selfish with our time, selfish with our thoughts. Yeah. Not just for our family, but for everyone we come in contact with. Yeah. When you drive down the road, sow seeds of joy. Just do it on purpose. God, I'm releasing the seed of joy in this neighborhood. And I expect a, 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 you know, a crop of 30, 60 90 fold to come back from this. God, I live in an, I work in an atmosphere that's chaos. I, re, I release the seed of peace in this atmosphere. I am sowing peace. And I expect to, to, to have peace produced from the seed that I sow here. I expect to see things shift and turn around. It's impossible for us to sow the seeds of the kingdom and not see benefits from the kingdom. It's just impossible. I don't even believe that. It's impossible for me to steward my finances as a, as a kingdom person and not be rewarded for stewarding them. Right. It's impossible. Uh. 
I'm going to ask this question. How many of you really don't feel like you have any seed in your bag? I don't know. I don't have anything to give. The Lord wants to show you today what He's put inside of you, what He has birthed inside of you. He wants you to see it. He wants you to leave here knowing it. He wants you to be confident that there's something that you have that you can sow. More, more than one thing, I'm sure. But he wants you to see it. He wants you to, to become aware of it. Because once I realize, whoa, I, I carry peace? I didn't even know that. Now that you know it, what do you do with it? You sow peace everywhere you go. You got to. You, need, you have to. You want peace to flourish. Sow peace. Maybe you're one of those people that's really easy to get along with. Then you probably carry peace. You don't get your feelings hurt. You don't get offended. Maybe you carry the seed of peace inside of you. But we need you, those of us that like to argue, we need you to sow some seeds of peace everywhere you go. Those of you in the room, you're really good at stewarding your finances. We need you to continue to steward them well. The Lord wants to increase you. He wants to increase you. He wants to give you more responsibility. And then he wants you to sow the seeds of that stewardship and that ability to be wise with finances so that all of us can learn from you and can, can, can reap from the benefits that you've learned. That's how this kingdom works. Everybody okay? Why don't you stand and We'll finish the rest up some other next week or whenever. Why don't you just ask the Lord to talk to you? I don't I just want to pray over everyone, but ask him to talk to you. God, I ask that you'd reveal to everyone here that we have something of value to sow. We have something that's vital to our community to sow. God, I pray that you help us to be intentional so that it turns our spending into investing. Give us a wealthy mindset, God. Why don't you just ask the Lord for that? Put your hand, ask Him on your head, God, help me to think like a wealthy person. Give me a wealthy mindset. A legacy mindset. See, wealthy people live differently than everyone else. That's why they're wealthy. God, help us to live differently than everyone else. Help us to manage ourselves. Put, put, put boundaries upon the things that we value, God. There's two reasons why we're wasteful that I can think of. Two reasons. Number one, 
because we look at what we have and we don't think it's enough, so it doesn't matter. So we waste. Oh, it's not enough anyway, so I'm just going to waste it. Or we look at what we have and it is enough, so we're like, oh, we're okay with what we have. That's two, two lies in poverty. It causes us to waste. Oh, this isn't enough anyway. It is enough. The Lord, the Lord can take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people. He can just do it. He's just that awesome. So don't ever look at anything in your life. It's not enough joy. It's not enough money. It's not enough. Don't say it's not enough anymore. He didn't say, look in your hands and declare with me it's not enough, but I have more for you. <laughs> he didn't say that. He says, what's in your hand? What do you have? Well, I have this staff. Okay, stretch it over the water and the waters will part. But it's just a staff. I don't care. You have it. You need something done. Take what you have and make it happen. It's just a different way of thinking. The disciples are like, how can we feed all these people? What do you got? Got a little basket lunch from a little boy. Well, that's plenty. That's enough. That's how he thinks. So if I don't think that way, then I need to change my thinking. I need to repent. If I ever look at something and say it's not enough, then I need to stop and repent. God, forgive me for poverty of thought. <laughs> forgive me for thinking too small. Forgive me for thinking you can't make this more than enough. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry for thinking of you as, as a weak king or a king filled with, with poverty. He's not like that. I'm, we're just trying to shift the mindset. You guys understand why we're going through this. He's the rewarder. He's wealthy. He wants you to think differently. He wants me to think differently. Yeah. I've heard st modern day stories of where they were feeding the homeless and, th and they didn't just feed them soup. They were giving them nice steaks and salmon and all kinds of stuff. And I've heard stories where they went to the kitchen and there was like 500 more people than they had food for. And they said, well, just keep serving it. And it was plenty. And they had, they had stuff left over. That's just how the kingdom works. It's just, it's, it's like leaven. It gets in the small batch and it becomes excessive. It's just a different way of thinking, right? And I know that I don't naturally think that way, so there needs to be a supernatural shift. Let's do it again. Why don't you pray? If you're with, with your spouse someone you came with, why don't you pray that God would shift our thinking to a wealthy mindset, to the king's mindset, yeah? Give us your eyes, God. Let us never be more impressed with a problem than with you. Let us never be more impressed with what we don't have than what we do have, God. <laughs> Help us to be crazy in this area, God. Let us be crazy positive. <laughs> Give us a gift of optimism. We don't want to be the ten spies that saw the giants. We, we want to be the two that says, yeah, we can take them. We can take the land. We will not be grasshoppers in our own eyes, God. We will not be insignificant and small in our own eyes and thoughts, God. The God in us is massive. He cannot be measured. 
His power, there's no scale to measure it. He measures the heavens with His hands. He weighs the oceans in the palm of His hand. Calls the stars by name. Every morning, He calls them out by name. Who told you He was small? Who told you you were small? Who lied to you? Who lied to you? Who said that you were naked? Who said that you were poor? God, we release the spirit of prosperity mindset, wealthy mindset. We break the spirit of poverty, God. We know that poverty is simply just being okay with enough, what we have, with meager existence. We're not okay with meager existence. We want to see breakthrough, God. We're not okay with sickness and disease. We're not okay with decaying bodies, God. We're not okay with failing eyesight and ears. We're not okay with it, God. We are not orphans. We are sons and daughters. We are heirs to the kingdom. Hmm. That's it. Greater things. We've been jumping ahead a little. Jesus is the first fruits of who we are. He was the seed of who we are. Hmm. God, we ask that you would release the spirit of poverty from our community. We ask that you would break the chains of bondage from our community, God. We are not okay with sickness, disease, with poverty mindset. We're not okay with lack in any way, God. We are not okay with wasteful living, God. Oh, come on, declare that. I am not okay with wasteful living. Wealthy people don't sit around and watch TV all day, Jared. <laughs> it's true. Wealthy people don't ever watch TV. You ask them what their favorite shows are. Like, I don't watch TV because they're doing things that matter. Yeah. I don't have a problem with TV. I'm actually kind of fond of TV. But does it really matter? Who cares if Sherlock solved the crime by the end of the show? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Father, we just release blessing. And a mindset shift and give us new perspective. I just declare that um, over the next few weeks and months, that everyone connected to the bridge is going to be given a scale. And on that scale, we're going to begin to weigh things that matter and the things that don't matter. And He's going to give us the power to, to decide. And He's going to be okay with what we decide. Yeah. But He's going to give us the scales and we're going we're to begin to weigh things. Like the, in, in the scales of justice and what's, what's worthy of our time, what's worthy of our finances. He's not going to be angry with what we decide. He's get, this is a reward. I'm giving you the ability to weigh things. Always in, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's always a return. Yeah, exactly. 
it's, it's true. And most of us weren't raised in a, with a mindset to even think about tomorrow. We just want to get through today. We just got to pay the bills this week. We live paycheck to paycheck. No more. I, I declare that over. Who wants to move beyond living paycheck to paycheck? Yeah, God, we ask that you would break the spirit of paycheck to paycheck living, God. I don't even know what that looks like. If it means there's new streams of revenue or if we just become really good at stewarding our money, I, all of it probably is involved. I just release that over this house, God. No more taking the blessing that you pour into our life and applying it to past debt. I've prayed that over us before, but it feels like that happens a lot. Like you get a check in the mail you didn't expect and you're like, oh, I've got to apply it to a debt. I've got to apply it to something I already need, my lack. The Lord's wanting to give us gifts and surprises that are excess. Or you can say, here, do something that you couldn't do before. Or invest in your future. Invest in your children's future. It's just going to, it's a different mindset. Uh, there's just this whole thing tied to stewardship. God, hmm. We release that over Arlington, God. We break the consumer mentality. And through the sweat of our brow and the calluses on our hands, we will produce fruit, God. <laughs> In Jesus' name. If you need personal prayer for anything, someone will meet you up here. If it's healing, salvation, and you need a miracle, someone will meet you here at the front. Again, thanks for everybody for coming. Oh, yeah. On your way out. I'm going to pray over it now, but on your way out, there's communion at the back table. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Communion is not just to remember, oh, what Jesus did. It's to remember what He did and who He made us. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a renewing our vows. It's an, it is, and it's an investment into our relationship. Like Jesus did this with His disciples because He wanted to remember. He wanted them to remember the family that they created. And you and I are part of the family. We're sons and daughters. And communion is to remind you that you're a son and a daughter. Because he says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you can't partake of me and my kingdom. So we're remembering that. We want his kingdom. Right. Amen.